0: Scripture reading tonight for our lesson and for our meditation is taken from St. Paul's letter to the congregation at Philippi, the second chapter, verses 5 through 8. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant. And coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Thanks be to God. Let us unite our hearts in prayer. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your marvelous grace that caused you to send your Son into this world, and that he being found in appearance as a man, humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death for us. Yes, even the death of the cross. We pray that you would stir up our hearts and see appreciation and love for this mercy and grace, uh, that you would also uh, give us the same mind of Christ as we interact with others in our day-to-day lives. We pray this all in his saving name. Amen. Grace be unto you and peace from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Back in 1986, there was a a coup that took place in the Philippines. And uh, back at that time, the president, some would have called him a dictator, his name was Ferdinand Marcos. And he and his wife used their position of authority in order to gain a lot of wealth. And uh, the the people of the Philippines were actually living in in poverty, some of them almost in squalor. And it became known the type of wealth that they had in their palace. And uh, so the people began a coup and started to rush the palace. And he and his wife managed to escape and get out of there. They took $7 million of the state's funds and got on an airplane and flew to Hawaii. And when the when the invaders finally came into the presidential palace, they could not believe the opulence, that the wealth that uh, these two people had been living on for so many years. And the big report came out that in the bedroom, uh, in the closet of the bedroom, that Mrs. Marcos had thousands of pairs of shoes. She just loved shoes. And that kind of became the... the, the uh, the noteworthy news that came out of that coup. It's interesting how there's something inside of us, all of us, that just has a tendency to look out for our own interests. And so often when people are put into positions of power um, and left there, especially for periods of time, that self-interest grows and grows and sometimes can be so abused. It's interesting that the first question that you find as you begin reading in the book of Genesis is this question from Cain. Am I my brother's keeper? Do you expect me to be responsible for another person? Am I my brother's keeper? And if you know that story, he took his own brother's life. But that question resonated down through the generations all the way to me and to you as well. That self-interest, that looking out for me first, and do you expect me, God, to care about other people? That, That same problem and sin and evil is alive and working in all of us. And that's why your mom and dad, just like mine did, had to try to school you out of that when you were a little child, had to try to teach that out of you, to think of others before yourself. Put 10 candy bars in front of 20 children and watch the mad rush to see who gets there first. There's a me-first mentality in all of us and a self-centeredness in all of us. And as you go through your phone, analyze the news feed for the day and think to yourself, just from the standpoint of selfishness and greed, how it plays a role in almost every news story that there is. Go look at the police blotter and realize how many of the crimes that are conducted in our, in our community uh, are really driven by self-interest. Go and sit in on divorce proceedings. I've been on an, in on about three of those in courtrooms. And just analyze it from the perspective of selfishness. But we don't have to look that far. Look in the mirror at ourselves and our own lives, too. And though we may at times think of others here and there, there's a natural bent in us to just automatically go to what is going to benefit me first. How How can I benefit first? If we're really honest with ourselves, we've all got our own shoe collection. So why is it so hard for us to think about others? We love it when people think about us. If you've had somebody show you some appreciation and, and do something kind for you that was totally unexpected where maybe they had to sacrifice or, or think about you or go out of their way to do something for you. We all love that. We love when that happens to us. But how hard it is to think like that. My wife is so much better at this than I am. It's really hard for me to, to think about her in the way that I should. I have such a self-centered bent in me. And I have to almost force myself to to think about and remind myself, why is it that we're just so automatically conditioned toward us, toward me? In the text before us, God describes how his son came into the world. And we know throughout the pages of scripture and in the gospel accounts how Jesus is described, both as a little child and growing up and all the way throughout his life, as never falling into sin. Can you imagine being around a child that was never selfish? (laughs) It's hard to imagine. Being around a teenager that was never thinking about himself first. Being around somebody who was always, always thinking compassionately toward others, going out of his way to help them always had the interests of others in mind. In fact, that was the very, the very magnetic thought in his heart that drew him from the throne of God, the second person of the Trinity, to come down into this world and to take on human form in the form of a bond servant, and to let himself become one of the creatures that God had made and to, to live in this fallen world with all of its problems and troubles and sickness and illness and disease and death. to, To take that on intentionally, not by accident, not by force, but driven by a love and a compassion for you and for me. Even though he was rich in the heavens, yet for your sakes, for my sakes, he became poor. The ultimate poverty, he didn't even own property. He even let somebody else take care of the money bag for them to get food with his disciples. He was so not focused on his own needs and things, and this was all done in order to rescue you and me from the law that held over our heads, from the possible condemnation we would have faced, from the hell that would have been in front of us. But he willingly came into this world and allowed all of this to happen to himself, to go to the cross, to feel the burden of our guilt, so that you and I would never, ever, ever have to know what that is really like. You know, when you show compassion to somebody, you you really humble yourself. If you've ever had moments when you took time to go do something nice for someone and show them mercy and go out of your way to help them, it's really a humbling of yourself. It's It's a putting aside of yourself. And even those few times now and then when we maybe do that once in a while... Even those little glimpses of that are a picture into the much greater compassion and humility that our Lord had to show in order for you and me to someday come to heaven. The motivation in his heart was always about you, was always about us and our future. It was always about providing us with a a holy, perfect record before God, forgiving all of our sins and giving us the hope of our own resurrection. We say it so beautifully in the Nicene Creed, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven. The entire Christian faith is built on mercy and compassion and humility in the heart of the Son of God. He did this because he didn't want any single one of us to feel the wrath of his heavenly Father. And you can see this this humility and his willingness to take this on himself for us all the way through the steps of his passion. So, as believers in Christ, as those who've benefited from this, we now have come to cherish this greatest act of charity and mercy and kindness that's ever happened in world history. And to those of us who've come to appreciate know, appreciate that and know what it means for our future, Paul says to us, let this mind the mind of christ be in you also let this same mind captivate how you look at other people and how you think of other people when the holy spirit fills our hearts to love our savior and to look forward to going to heaven it gives us a new set of eyes toward our fellow man a new way of looking at others and martin luther said god promises grace and every blessing to all those who keep these commandments. It's interesting that that when when you think of somebody in your life who is known for humility and known for thinking of other people and being compassionate, do you think of them as as having a rough life and that they're not very happy? They're usually pretty joyful people, aren't they? When I think about the the people in my life that God's blessed me with who really think that way and and act toward me that way they tend to be very very happy people there's a blessing that comes back to us when we follow the commands of our Savior when we take on that same mindset toward others there are our joys and blessings that God affords us and uh, and grants us to have and enjoy in this life when we live in line with the wonderful Commandments he's given us as well When we wear crosses around our necks and hang them on the walls in our rooms, or some people even get them tattooed on their wrists, when we use those as a reminder of God's great love for us, may they also serve as a reminder of how we are to treat the people that God brings into our lives on a daily daily basis. And then give us a greater reminder of the wonderful hope it gives us of our eternal home in heaven. Amen.